Good evening and welcome once again to episode 52 of Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. One for every week of the year. <laughs> if we've done the weekly, yes. Um, <laughs> we do and do if we're only, weekly. We just, and if we're only lying bastards. Every time we bring one out, it's a week. Exactly, exactly. We do them daily as well. Every time we bring an episode out, it's on a day. <laughs> my name, as ever, is Mr. Roscoe, Lemon Fresh, Vacant. I'm joined by my dear friend and colleague, Gil Seth Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you? I'm pretty good. I was hoping for Citrus Fresh Rokotansky because I'm, oh. I'm drinking Citrus Fresh Diet Cola. Oh, very moment. nice. But, uh, but Seth does me fine because it's the new name for Jeff. <laughs> it's a new name for Seth in the sense, a new name for Jeff in the same sense that uh, Starburst is a new name for Opal Fruits. And Snickers is a new name for Marathon. <laughs> we are with it. We are. Our fingers are on the pulse. But the thing that always confused me about Jeff uh-huh. is because uh, that was the original name for Seth, which is like a bleach kind of cleaning product, is that yep. Jeff was also the name of the. The little lemon-shaped bottle <laughs> of lemon juice That's that you right. got. So they've got like two brands of one 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 brand is potentially very tasty, uh, and the other brand is potentially poisonous. <laughs> and they're used to both be, taste the lemon. Yeah, and they're well, I, I don't know if Jeff tasted of lemon. Well, neither of them I, particularly tasted that greatly of lemon. Can, but but every pancake confirm. day. Uh-huh. They would always say, remember and put some Jeff on it. Remember, like, they used to have that big ad campaign, don't forget the pancakes, this Jeff Lemon day. Absolutely. How many kids do you think ended up in hospital? <laughs> I'm just having pancakes and some Jeff. Mmm, this looks lovely and creamy and it smells so fresh with lemon. Mom! <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be only it would be wrong to speculate how many kids uh, passed away in that sense in that way. But if kids are going to drink bleach, yeah, may as well be tasty, right? It might. It might as well be. <laughs> so, Gil, how's your week been? Have you had a good week? I've had a pretty good week. Uh, I've. I've watched quite a bit of uh, a certain science fiction program that's 50 years old. Alright, so did you see the Doctor Who anniversary special then? I did, but you haven't seen it. Did you like it? I uh, I won't say anything, because you haven't haven't seen it. That's cool. Well, we'll never mention it again. No. Moving on, um, 
Anything else? Have you managed to do anything else that's been interesting? Uh, I've started uh, writing a graphic novel called, uh, well, ab- about my my main hero, Clint McClintock. <laughs> Clint? Yeah, pardon? Clint McClintock. <laughs> do you know me, Clinty McFlickface? No, Clint McClintock <laughs> and his uh, his manservant, Clinton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm hoping that will be a big favourite with the kids in years to come. <laughs> Clinty McFlick face is better. Oh, that's good. I I was going to call it Clinty Adventures. <laughs> okay. Um. Or maybe Clinted. <laughs> there we go. I think we're ripping off Mark Mallow's hilarious joke there. <laughs> um. uh, so, Gil, uh, have you managed to watch any movies apart from some kind of kids TV show. Uh, I fell asleep through during the Hunger Games again. <laughs> Did you? I think I was just exhausted. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, because you've been you've been busy and you've been trying to get back into education. Yep. So I've been. Okay. How's that been going? Uh, not too bad. I went to an open uh-huh. day at a place that uh, it'll just be far too expensive <laughs> to go sure. to, but yeah, it's a, it's a start. Uh-huh, sure. So uh, it does give me something to kind of work towards for next August. <laughs> that's, oh. that's, sure. that's my short-term goals. <laughs> okay, so does that involve putting together a portfolio or something? Uh, it, it will do at some point, and uh-huh. that, that means that our uh, episode with Ghostbusters and Gremlins and stuff will probably have to go in there. Ah, there we go, our our, uh, our PG-friendly episode. Yeah, that one. Absolutely. Honestly, Absolutely. that's what it's like every week. <laughs> <laughs> yep, without a doubt, man, without a doubt. Yeah, so um, that'll be interesting. What about, yeah. what about you, since you're... Since I, I assume that this week has been as action-packed as your previous week. <laughs> Sadly, not. Um, I've actually been working this week <laughs> instead of skiving off. Um, yeah, it's been pretty good. I've managed to watch some films, bizarrely enough, which is uh, pretty strange for me. What have you watched? Sorry, I had myself on mute so that I wouldn't interrupt you. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. I watched a Thai film called The Scream at The Screen at Kamshanod. Uh, so that was a, a kind of strange one, um, supposedly based on a true story or based on a newspaper headline about uh, some ghosts uh, attending a screening at Kamshanod Forest, a screening of a film um, there, and this was from 1989, and it's uh, the, the film the film was made quite recently. Uh, it was good. I mean, it's it's a bit of a kind of daft concept that these ghosts and basically nobody turned up to this kind of screening of this weird film um, Field of Dreams except for in, what is that sorry Field of Dreams <laughs> okay so yeah that's, that's that is, it is it's similar but it's uh, it was interesting nonetheless and it's, it's quite creepy There's, uh, I think creepy is the best 
the best way to describe it in terms of what are its selling points, um, there's lots of kind of creepy moments and bits where things are coming out at you, strange hands. It's got that kind of Asian sensibility to it in terms of the scales that are that are given. Um, I mean, it's a bit of, it's a bit of dark. daft cod. What was that, I, I thought you were going to say it's a bit dark. Aye, it is. I'm just saying it's it's not the the best concept to build a film around, but I think they did a pretty good job of kind of making it work um, and making it into something quite quite kind of dark and creepy. So it's worth a watch, if nothing else. Um, and it's a so true yeah, story, though. It's not. It's a completely <laughs> it's true story. It's it's based on the the book written by the only man who was there. So you've got 100% eyewitness corroboration there. <laughs> Is it honestly based no, on the book? I don't, don't know. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was. <laughs> because it's basically it's a, it was basically a, a projectionist that had been hired to do this screening in the middle of uh, in the middle of nowhere and nobody turned up apart from supposedly these ghosts who turned up for five minutes and then disappeared. So it's a, a crazy story but it's it's worth a look and it's um it's quite fun. Quite fun. Uh, also watched uh, VHS. Yep. So. Which is uh, not as fun as UHF <laughs> Conan the Librarian. Yep. No it's uh <laughs> It's not as fun as UHF, you're correct. Um, but yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, the thing I think with, with kind of horror nerds is that we either, we're either losing our shit about films or we're ripping them to shreds. And I think VHS has kind of fallen in the middle of that because there's some people who have kind of overhyped it and then loads of people who have then reacted to that quite negatively and, oh, no, it's absolutely garbage. But I mean... I thought it was okay. I mean, there's some good segments there, but I, as I was saying to you the other night there, I, I kind of went into it, hoping to really enjoy the Ty West segment um, because I've liked everything else he's done, but it really was the weakest of the the weakest of the segments as much as... So I, I kind of thought, oh no, everything must be wrong. <laughs> Ty West would never let us down, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the best. I can just imagine you now, like, if you're in peril somewhere, uh-huh. Just screaming his name. Ty! Ty, Ty West will never let us down. Ty West won't let us down, absolutely. He'll, he'll find a character-based solution to this problem. Then he doesn't arrive and you go, oh, VHS, all over again. <laughs> Ty! <laughs> so yeah, I watched that and also watched Yellow Brick Road which I liked the sound of when I, when I heard other people speaking about it. Um, you've seen that one as well, Gal, haven't you? Yeah, the Elton John documentary sequel to <laughs> and Tiaras. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's about a town that mysteriously one morning decides that they're going to walk away. Yeah. Um, so the whole, the whole town just starts walking. Um and I mean, it is. It's it's good, and it's got some, it's it's got some creepy moments, and the idea of it is in itself very creepy. There's a lot of themes from Oz come through, uh, but I felt it was possibly m- most of those, if not all of those, were were underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of they led in some themes, they led in some um, kind of metaphors from that movie, and then they kind of left them hanging. 
yeah. I, I don't. In my in my view, anyway, as much as I uh, thought it was pretty good, because that was another. I think that was a bloody disgusting one. I think VHS was bloody disgusting as well. I I just thought when I was watching it that it was somebody had been watching Forrest Gump and, <laughs> and go, what would imagine if it was like a whole town of people that just decided <laughs> just at the same time to just okay. get up and go away and then so oh well you need to. You need to give it some Every sort of pop culture reference. Yeah. Sometimes everybody cries. It's better than Dave Burns about you there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference that very few people will get, and we'll just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, it was talking heads, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then somebody must have said to them, you need to give it something. And they went, well, what if, it's a, what if we call it Yellow Brick Road and we just crowbar shitloads of references to the Wizard of Oz in it? Yeah, I mean, maybe it, maybe it is. Maybe there's stuff in there that's, that I've masked. But, yeah, it does, it does feel a little crowbarred. Um, Still better than Oz the Great and Powerful, though. <laughs> Sam Raimi presents. Yeah, I like the fact that James Franco's entire career could be some sort of, like, prank. Yep. Just every once in a while he'll make a film where you go, James Franco's quite a good actor and I, I quite like the way he approaches this whole acting gig and then you get Oz the Great and Powerful where you go, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> what the fuck is Sam so, Raimi doing? Yeah. Um, also last night I watched the Patricia Cornwell Jack the Ripper documentary. Don't know if you've seen that one. Nope. It's like she she basically in probably two thousand one two thousand and two she started writing a book um, about basically about that her theory that the the great impressionist painter Walter Sicker um, was in fact Jack the Ripper um, and she bought up uh, thirty of his paintings for two million. Two million pounds or dollars, don't remember which. Um, but anyway, she spent a lot of money on it anyway, uh, buying things like his writing desk, various other things to try and get DNA evidence off of those things. Um, and she tried to build this case uh, using the Ripper letters to prove that the Walter Sickert was in fact wasn't just interested in Jackie Ripper and the, the murders in London during that time, but was in fact uh, Walter Sicker himself. Uh, was in fact Jack the Ripper. Um, so you know there was actually no DNA evidence recovered from the desk because it had been cleaned with sif. <laughs> There's a, a word from our sponsors there. <laughs> yep. Put it sif. on your pancakes. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. So then I was reading up about that, and the the most funny I, I don't know the, the the thing that made me laugh the most was that after all that after all that evidence, it was later discovered that for I think five of the Ripper murders, it wasn't even in the UK. It was in France. That's a, that's a, an alibi and a half. <laughs> So she spent six million dollars, and then they discovered after all that, after the program was made, that it wasn't even in the UK at the time. And she tried to say, "Well, oh, the ferry rides only four hours, and all that." And it's just like, and the letters and, and, and everything was faked, and blah blah blah. 
but uh, it's just absolute nonsense. So the wee guy on the uh, ferry going hello again, Mister Sicker. <laughs> You're very very busy this week, back in the lot. Oh, you've dropped your knife. Yeah. <laughs> It's worth worth watching anyway to hear her theories and uh, she says that it's because she's a, a woman and because she's American that people know, that nobody believes her. Not because uh, she's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> she bought she bought thirty paintings by this guy supposedly for research purposes and then puts out a book and a documentary that not only accuses him of being Jack the Ripper but brings his name back into the public. Yeah, absolutely. And therefore absolutely. increases the value the of everything yep. that she's bought. <laughs> anyway, get your water yeah. here! Come and get them from me! And supposedly she ruined one of them as well. They put a hole through one of them. Yeah. And she tried to say that it was packaged incorrectly, but who knows? <laughs> packaged incorrectly? I, I, thought, I know. I, I know. thought balancing it on top of this spike. <laughs> but it turns out, no. So. In, in hindsight, asking the elephant to stand on top of the painting so nobody could move it might have been a mistake as well. Yep. So that's cool. And you were saying that there's a Vic Reeves one as well that's worth checking out. Yeah, there's a, a documentary that he did. He, he did quite a few documentaries about famous characters from history that were very cool. That were quite interesting. He did one about uh, highwaymen like uh, Dick Turpin mm-hmm. and stuff like that. that it was, it was pretty nice. Do you know he's got like a kids show with Angelo Cipithumia? Yeah, it's... It's really good. It's, it's brilliant. I actually uh, had it set to record every episode. It's the, <laughs> the Ministry of Curious Things. That's the one. <laughs> some, of the, some of the jokes on it were were brilliant. Yep. It was, it was really, Bizarre. really good. Bizarre steampunk kids show. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So yeah, also uh, we're uh, well, we're we're covering the film Gorgo this week, but also watched another film featuring a character named Gorgo. Can you believe that? Uh, I can because you already told me. But <laughs> <laughs> but so that people think that the only time we ever talk is when we do this. <laughs> you did? I can't believe that. Thank you you play along. That's what? it. What? <laughs> There are no yep. other films featuring characters called Gorgo. There simply can't be. I refuse to acknowledge that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Now, prove <laughs> to me that there is, or die. <laughs> I watched um, <laughs> I watched the Aurora Monsters documentary by our friend Cortland Hull. Oh, well, uh, Cortland Hull made it. It definitely exists, so I completely believe <laughs> it, and I now apologise for doubting you. If you'd mentioned that, that Cortland Hall was involved beforehand, then... We wouldn't have I, been in this mess. We wouldn't have, because I would have known, well, at least there's somebody that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Aurora Monsters documentary is about the Aurora models from the 1950s and 60s, um, where the... I think it was 1960s, in fact. Um, so it's a documentary about uh, interviewing the people who made those. It's got James Barmer, who did the, the covers... It's got uh, Daniel, uh, Ro- oh, Dan- Daniel Daniel Roebuck Roebuck from Roebuck. Lost. Yeah, of course, from Lost. Um, so he's he's in it. Uh, some others, and it's it's really interesting. And Cortland is wearing a rather fetching cape and hat combo in it, which is worth looking out for. 
is it, you're a, a fan. is it a famous hat and cape? I think it might be, because he's standing next to Henry Hill, so it might very well be the one. I, I like the idea of uh, Cortland going somewhere at Halloween, dressed <laughs> in like a, a cape and hat, and somebody going, who do you think you are, the Phantom of the Opera? Actually, this is this is the cape and the hat from the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So, that's cool. So, that's a really cool documentary, and you can get that from preservehollywood.org. Or witchesdungeon.com. Which is uh, witches without an E. Yep, absolutely. Point out because it's the dungeon of of a witch, not not the dungeon of a collection of witches. Yeah. That website also sells DVDs, but they're not about classic monsters. Well, Witches Dungeon. (laughs) I haven't been on that one yet. I'll need to check that out. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, without further ado, um, it's possibly worth moving on to discuss this week's theme. So this week's theme <laughs> is, well, no, it's quite a tight theme. It's not too bad. Uh, it's uh, We've pulled it out our arse this week again. <laughs> pulled it out our arse three times. I know, it was, I know. It was one theme, then it uh, was slightly yeah. different, and what think... One of the films has survived from the initial selection. Sure. So we'd originally planned to cover The Legend of Boggy Creek. <laughs> um, but both of us fell asleep uh, during it in different continents. Um, so at different times. So we decided that probably wasn't the, the best film to, to start with. Good for Insomniacs, um, though. Yeah, absolutely. We recommend it if you're struggling to to get to get to get to sleep. I um, actually, the, uh, I I should have told you why I picked that because tell me why. it's one of my uh, really early memories of seeing something that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Right, right, okay. Which, uh, uh-huh. It was years and years ago when I was a little kid. I was I would probably have been about six years old. Uh-huh. The BBC were showing it probably around uh-huh. about Halloween. Sure. And it is a film from 1973 or something like that, but uh, just the the documentary style of the film <laughs> and how it puts everything across as being real. As a six-year-old child, when you're watching that and you're hearing about this family that live in a remote place and there's a big monster outside... At the time, I was living in a cottage. Right, right, okay. Where our uh-huh. nearest neighbour was a, a mile away. And, right. And there was, just at the bottom of the hill from us, what you would call a creek. Ah, right, so okay. Yep. It always, it stuck with me, but I didn't know what it was called. And I just remembered sure. the line, the creature always walked the creek. Uh, Which uh, <laughs> that's probably a line that neither of us got to <laughs> this time around. <laughs> but when we were initially brought into the horrorphilia family last year, uh-huh. people were talking about films that had maybe freaked them out when they were a kid, and I said to somebody, "Oh, there was this one," and all I can ever remember is this line, and they said, oh, "That's the legend of Boggy Creek." So I watched it again last year, and I thought, "Oh, this is all right," and then I watched it again this year, and. <laughs> <laughs> Zeds and, ensued. Yep. The other one was the Angry Red Planet, which neither of us have watched yet. Um, so that might be one that we revisit. Um, that was purely because I wanted to see the Rat Bat Spider. 
um, from it, which is a huge puppet that they made for the the film, um, which still looks pretty cool. But it's all um, on I can see that. Yeah, the, that, that the whole minute sequences on YouTube, and I suspect that might be the best part of the film. <laughs> so we we instead decided to go for uh, Gorgo um, from nineteen sixty one, um, Extro from nineteen eighty three, and Grabbles from two thousand and thirteen. Um, so those are the the three films for this week. They're all sci-fi monster movies, um, and they're all based in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. So there, we we have a theme. <laughs> Don't ever accuse us otherwise. Um, Next week, our theme is going to be all these films are based somewhere in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a smaller island, so we're allowed to make that a theme. So that's cool. The week after um, that, all these films are not set on Earth. <laughs> so yeah, all of these so... films have credits. <laughs> We do need to we do need to tighten that tighten up our ship, um, but we'll we'll get there. So, Gil, I think possibly worth having a short break, and then we'll be back to discuss Gorgo. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back after this. It was a long pause, wasn't it? It was. There's a Rob Ford length pause there. <laughs> Shall we take a break? Yes. Uh, see, it wasn't quite eight seconds. Or... <laughs> well, you can add it in and post. <laughs> you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two... Take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Seven Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Okay, guys, we're back to discuss Gorgo from 1961. Um, it was directed by Eugene Lowry. It stars Bill Travels as Joe Ryan, William Sylvester as Sam Slade. Sam Slade, Robo Hunter. <laughs> yep. It was a character from 2000 AD in the late 1970s. <laughs> and that just really uh, kind of tickled me while I was watching Gorgo. Just the idea that this man was going to just go on from fighting monsters to fighting robots. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. May I continue? You may. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you may, sir. Vincent Winter as Sean. Christopher Rhodes as McCalton. Joseph O'Connor as Professor Hendricks from the University of Dublin. Bruce Seaton as Professor Flaherty from the University of Dublin. Um, Martin Benson as Dorkin, who's the... uh, the circus owner, I believe. Basil Dignam as the Admiral and some other people. Um, and Mike <laughs> Dillon. 
Mick Dillon, how could I forget? The only member of the cast not important enough to have his own wiki page. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so Gorgo is an attempt to make a Japanese-style giant reptile flick in an English setting. The story begins when underwater volcanic activity in the Irish Sea brings forth a 65-foot monster called Gorgo. Enterprising Joe and Sam capture the beast and transport it to London, where Gorgo is put on display as a seaside carnival attraction. This proves to be a major mistake when Gorgo's even larger mother wumbles to the surface in search of her cute little baby. In short order, London is trampled and trashed. Do you know it was originally meant to be set in Japan? Really? Yep. And then uh, France. And uh-huh. uh, Australia was also considered, but the producers supposedly decided that audiences just wouldn't care if a monster attacked Australia. <laughs> and uh, because it, it had uh, a lack of recognisable landmarks. Okay, okay, so London was seen as a, a good opportunity because there was funding available, presumably, or...? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I neither know or I, care. I just like the idea that somebody went. What about Australia? Who cares about Australia? <laughs> <laughs> that that's the sixties for you. Yep. So we start off in quite a I don't know a stereotypical Irish uh, fishing town, I suppose. Um, and we've got uh, well, we start off with the volcanic eruption and the the crew being thrown around and so on. Um, and then finding their way to the, the Irish town where they're given short shrift by the archaeologist slash harbour master um, who's, who's taking control of the area um, since since he's discovered that there's, there's gold in them there. Uh, what, waters. waters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what did you think of this in terms of, uh, well, for example, the acting and the, the the presentation? Well, what was the, uh, Sean, the little boy? Uh-huh. Little monkey. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he just doesn't sound Irish in any way whatsoever. Uh-huh. He, it's quite a cosmo- cosmopolitan fashion village. Well, uh-huh. he's actually Scottish. Oh, is he? Right, yeah. okay, that explains it then. And we can say uh-huh. what we want, because he's been dead since 98, so he won't get upset <laughs> at us. But, <laughs> but yeah, his, uh, I, I think his character should have just been removed, in a, and maybe uh, the feelings that that little boy has and the worries would have maybe been a bit more realistic if coming from uh, Sam Slade. Sure. You know, because okay. you've just seen the hypocrisy of Gillen Roscoe's Predacious Horror podcast. Because if he was still alive, we would have tried to get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe let's do another celebrity seance. <laughs> I know the last one was so good. Vincent Winter, are you there? Can you can you appear to us with your Scottish accent? Howie! Oh, begotta! <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, but no, I I just uh I've I've felt like the 
the film spent too much time concentrating on this uh, little kid's worries and everything. And fair enough, the the little boy is kind of he's the common sense of the film. Yeah, but mm-hmm. then it also has this. He's going to save their stupid skin. Yeah. But then it has the friendship between Joe and Sam, and I yep. thought that maybe the film would have been better if their friendship—no, if their friendship had been tested. Well, sure, and that perhaps conscience coming through in the part of Sam, or yep, because mm-hmm, sure. uh, the way it works now is that you've got these two characters who don't really have much of a conscience and don't really be seen to care about much and then all of a sudden at the end they give a fuck about this one wee boy and they're like Sean we're going to chase you down in a truck and everything and you're like who cares you know the the wee boy at the end of the film is kind of like rescued by the army and (laughs) two guys off a fucking fishing boat suddenly decide that maybe they'd be better looking after him yeah so two guys from the University of Dublin show up and try to convince them that to take the the boat uh, to, to drag Gorgo when she's captured to Dublin, but uh, Sam and Joe decide that they're going to take it to London to, to put them in a, a circus museum, uh, sorry, a circus attraction for people to come and view them. They'll be given thirty percent plus a take of the the door money. Um, no, thirty thousand plus a percent. Uh-huh. Yep. What, did, what did I say? Thirty percent. Ah, oh, sorry, 30,000 and then a percentage of the door. Um, but, I mean, the, <laughs> when they get to London and when they discover that Gorgo is, in fact, the baby and that the, the mother is going to be trailing them... You're rushing uh, through this, aren't you? <laughs> how am I? You're just... You're firing through everything. You're going, like, when they discover that Gorgo's the baby. We haven't even told people, Gorgo's the baby. All oh, right, OK. I'm just going to say that they, they, bl- they try to blame the... Uh, professors from Dublin for telling them to keep the, the thing watered when in fact it's them that's that's went against that and dragged them all the way to London yeah uh, rather than them who who miraculously ended up in London I don't know how they got there um, but they sailed they sailed who did everybody <laughs> oh but they were in London they, they were supposed to be heading back to Dublin the two professors I think that maybe they read newspapers and listen to the radio and stuff and then hear all of a sudden that Dorkin is saying that he's going to be kind of, you know, showing this monster. Sure. So, you know, I I think they didn't have to put that scene in for me to go, how did they know Gorgo was in London? Because it's, you know, it becomes like a worldwide phenomenon. This monster has sure. been found and at first they're kind of going... Well, we don't even believe that there is a monster. We haven't actually seen it, and then all of a sudden, seen it was a an elaborate Irish hoax, yep. which I thought was great. Those wily Irish, as as opposed to those not so elaborate Irish hoaxes. Yep, like that one they did with when they went, "We've run out of potatoes." <laughs> so there was a, I mean, there was there there was a review that I read of this. That said that that Gorgo was a metaphor for the I- Irish immigration at the time, and was an expression of the fears of people about people coming from Ireland to the UK in search of work, um, which I don't necessarily think is uh, too far 
from the truth. You can understand how that would potentially influence elements of the story. I don't think it's a metaphor. I don't think it's uh, an allegory um, or anything like that. But I think there's there's possibly some cre- credence can be given to that I don't know. Uh, to some extent. To, to be honest, I, I think the fact that it was originally meant to be set in Japan and then France sure. and then possibly Australia, I, right. I think that every once in a while, you know, just because it's from Ireland and and people from Ireland did go to London, it doesn't. I don't think that that means that somebody. I mean, this is a seventy-minute-long monster flick. I don't think yeah, it. Sure. I don't think it was trying to be. Quite no, I don't think allegorical. it was trying to be, but I think I, that's what I said. I don't think it was an allegory, but I think there's there's pro- possibly an influence there in terms of you know people's fears, finding expression in horror, even if it's not deliberate, even if it's just uh, um, for example the the fact that there's a British crew and the fact that they're making reference to it being an elaborate Irish hoax, mm. Ireland being something quite other and different and distinct. Um, so even if it isn't an allegory, it's still, uh, it, it could still, repre- those feels and those thoughts could still be represented as a result of, of, of those influences coming through, even at a subliminal level. Yeah, Ireland really isn't, uh, the, the way that Ireland's portrayed in this, it's kind of, it's mm-hmm. it's almost like they're going oh, oh look Ireland is still a backwards place. Uh-huh. Yeah, Third world country is the way that it's portrayed. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know you keep expecting them to go like oh we don't have telephones. Uh, oh uh-huh. what's this uh, fancy big thing that you've just brought into our obviously very bustling harbour? Oh it's a boat. Uh-huh. Well they do have bits like that because like I mean Vincent sorry Sean refers to um, McCarlton as a city man, um, as being an, an archaeologist, they say, and all that kind of thing. So it's kind of... Um, it's the, the, the they say that's dismissive, isn't it? Uh-huh, it is. It is. And, and the, the idea that somebody is a city person rather than, rather than uh, being familiar with the, the kind of rural ways of doing things or whatever, I don't think there would be at that point in history where there would be that kind of distinction. Mm. Uh, just the same. I think it would be rarer for people to go to university and do that kind of thing, but I don't think that that kind of distinction would be quite as uh, quite as uh, cut and dry yeah. as what they've made out. Yeah, it's uh, a very very strange. But I did enjoy it. But I did enjoy it as well. But I, uh, when you're watching it, it is so obvious <laughs> the Godzilla was such a a massive influence on it and sure. you know the the effects are quite nice apparently they, yep. they used high speed cameras so that they could uh, give the the use of miniatures and stuff that added bit of realism and it's yep. it's uh, it's now quite famous for being a an early example of really good effects I think it looks really good and I mean the uh, it doesn't compare for example to one that we kind of dismissed almost um, in terms of the product. I mean, the what was the Harry House one? It came from beneath the sea. Yep, which kind of did a lot of the things that this film did a lot better uh, in terms of the in terms of the actual effects. Um, I'd say this sto- this story, this film does uh, story and setting a lot better than that film. 
Although um, not characters, that's the funny thing. Although not characters, but it does, it does do, it does. I mean, like the, there's a there's a, a few great sequences um, where the where they're going out to sea in search of. Uh, I think it's a diver that's gone missing where they're going out with the torches. Yeah. And that looks great. So, I mean, there's different scenes like that that still look great. There's, there's scenes that are quite poor. Um, I mean, there's ones that are clearly shot with, clearly shot from, uh, with a, a screen behind them and the, it's clearly been superimposed at the back of them. There's continuity errors all the way through it. It's actually quite good fun yeah. to try and try and spot them um, where they've jumped between a, a scene that's been short and a scene that's uh, that's got the kind of green screen technology also um, night and day as well sure, uh, sure. the entire finale sequence features bits mm. where you will have the the RAF <laughs> preparing to get in their planes during the day and just, just about to go and jump in the plane and then it cuts <laughs> to a plane taking off at night yeah, so it's like stock footage is used yeah. all the way through it, and um, again, I mean, you can understand them doing that, but yeah, it's there are a few scenes like that. Um, reminds me, uh, I was going to say to you about uh, a director that I was curious to know whether he'd been influenced by this film. Um, it was John Landis? Oh yeah, uh, because obviously this is uh, this is a monster film set in London. Um, where, where, where a, a pr- big proportion of the ar- action happens in Piccadilly Circus. And I just thought it'd be interesting to see if John Landis had been influenced by that. Um, and there's also a sequence where the monster's roar cuts directly to animals in a zoo. Yeah. Um, which, which brings to mind, obviously, the, the famous sequence in American Werewolf in London where that happens. John Landis has said that he watched it as a kid and he loved it. Um, so I don't know whether it was perhaps a, again a, a a very minor influence on him when he was doing American Werewolf, um, but he provided a I believe an introduction to this film, um, talking about it, and you can find that on YouTube. Cool. Uh, which is quite in- quite interesting. Him talking through the trailer. Uh, so just uh, it was kind of those two two elements kind of made me wonder whether John Landis had been influenced by it. So I did a kind of search and I found that he'd, he'd done. Uh, a kind of introduction to the film. It's worth a look. Just get a chance. There is uh, one short film that I read about that I haven't watched yet. The uh-huh. that focuses on the the DMOA, who are like the 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 kind of the British army or uh-huh. whatever uh-huh. thing that that are going after Gorgo. It's uh, it's called Waiting for Gorgo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was made in 2010 right okay so uh-huh. I, I will watch that I should probably have watched it but so is that a documentary no it's a 2010 short comedy film called Waiting ah, for Gorgo very, cool. very good because the Mystery Science Theatre did, did a Waiting for Gorgo sketch that was very good um, because supposedly the guy looked the guy in it I think William Sylvester uh, oh no sorry McCartan looks like uh, Samuel Beckett, so they did like a whole waiting for Gorgo sketch. That was pretty, quite good. Um, the I was the Mystery Science Theater version I watched. Um, it's really good. It's worth a worth a looks on YouTube. I see. Um, I I watched just just Gorgo. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, 
it's easy to kind of write a film like this off as being like just a horrible low budget thing, but I think there's I think there's value in this film. Um, I think, for example, uh, they they actually built a a full size gorgo and dragged it through the streets of London uh, for one sequence, which does which look good. It does look good when you see it, um, and there's there's various scenes like that where the production value is obviously significant. Um, so, I mean, there's things to be enjoyed in this film, um, and I, I definitely recommend people give it a give it a look. Um, and I mean, even the even the use of miniatures, still, as you say, using the the high speed cameras, they do they do look good in places as well. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. I yep, absolutely. So cool. Um, Gil, have you got anything further to, to add to this? Uh, not really, no. I think people should go and check it out. I think the, the Mystery Science Theatre and the original like non, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> non-mysterious version sure. are both on YouTube. So, uh-huh. And the original version, the non-Mystery Science Theatre one, looks a lot better in terms of how it looks on YouTube. Yep. So we can uh- throw those links up. We certainly can. We certainly can. So, um, at that, we shall take a short break and we'll be back to discuss Extro. The podcast which you're about to listen to is an account of the viewing experiences which befell two Scottish men. It is all the more tragic in that they were young and enthusiastic. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to have watched as much of the mad and macabre movies they did. For them, a friendship and shared interest in horror movies became a nightmare. The events of their viewing were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre podcasts in the annals of podcast history. The Podcast Under the Stairs. The Podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. Okay, girls and boys, we're back to discuss Extro from 1983. Um, it was directed by Harry Bromley Davenport. It was written by Harry Bromley uh, Davenport. It stars Philip Sayer as Sam Phillips, Bernice Stegers as Rachel Phillips, Danny Brennan as Joe Daniels, Simon Nash as Tony Phillips, Mariam Daobo, Dabo, Bond Girl, as Annalise. She's lovely. Um, David Carty as Michael, um, and then a bizarre clown played by Peter Mandelson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then various others um, in the cast. So, for those with a taste for the repugnant comes this gory blood and guts fest that tells the horrific story of a British fellow who gets kidnapped by aliens and three years later is returned carrying infectious spores that have transformed him into a kind of crab thingy, (laughs) fuck's sake, that causes all kinds of perverse sexual and violent mayhem. Yeah, that that synopsis is so wrong, isn't it? Gil, Gil, I would like to spoil this one if you, if you wouldn't mind. I, I think that we can spoil it without... Because I think that the main thing about this film, and I'm so glad that we're finally doing it, because I think I once asked you if we could do this, and when, uh-huh. I, when I tried to explain to you, you were like, no. 
That doesn't sound good yeah. at all. But well, well, I I'll give. I'll, I'll, I tried to. I tried to explain the plot uh, to my current squeeze. Um, <laughs> the, the current Missy's vacant, um, <laughs> and in the form of a text message. So, if you don't mind, Gil, I'm going to read that out now. If that's okay. 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 Does it end with "Love you"? No, it doesn't. Oh, well, a guy gets a. She won't right, be. She won't it. be a current squeeze for long if you don't end text message exactly. with "Love you." Exactly. A guy gets abducted in front of his kid. Three years later, he returns as a weird, fleshy, four-legged alien. He gets run over on the road, and his kid wakes up covered in blood. The alien dad thing kills the guy who run over him on the road and kind of impregnates the woman in the car. The woman gives birth to an adult man. The woman gives birth to an adult man who looks exactly like the dad before he was abducted. The dad goes to find his kid who is living with his mum and her new boyfriend. The kid has a weird psychic bond with his dad and can move things with his mind. The dad then proceeds to suck the kid's blood. From then on, the kid can conjure up full-sized toy soldiers and a midget ringmaster with his mind. The kid then impregnates his au pair by blowing into her tummy. The dad has started eating snake's eggs and huffing gas from the fire. She's now covered in cobwebs with weird veiny eggs coming out of her belly. So that's my synopsis of Extra. <laughs> you were wrong, though. He didn't impregnate the woman right. in the car. He didn't, right. Oh, who, who did he impregnate then? He impregnated the woman in the farmhouse. Ah, oh, see, then my he, mistake. And then he went back and he stole the car. And the woman that uh-huh. was in the... He stole the clothes from the man uh-huh. that he'd killed. Then he stole uh-huh. the car... And the woman uh-huh. that he had killed was still in the car, and then she was discovered by uh-huh. a truck driver at the place where he'd abandoned the car. Yeah, that's right, because we see later on the, the newspaper headline about the woman. Yeah, being you're speeding through them all tonight, aren't you? Oh, stop it, shut up. <laughs> and then the film finished. We'll be back <laughs> after this. Four out of five. <laughs> Right, so come on then. You tell us what you thought. Uh, I I really like Extra. So uh-huh. I, I haven't watched any of the sequels, but uh-huh. I've been kind of advised not to bother with them by Robin Inns, So You've been advised by your legal... Uh, yes, by... Your legal department. Yeah, he's like one of our, our horror historians, pretty much. There we he's, go. Uh, yep, sure. And, and he said, don't, don't really... Don't really bother with them. He said he uh, actually said that the extra sequels are to extra what Scanners Three Scanner Cop is to Scanners. Right. Okay. So okay. So the dad returns and he well he returns as a kind of weird fleshy alien thing that's it's quite a cool creature design. Yeah. Um, but I suspect it's just somebody like doing a walking like a crab with like a face painted on their bald head. I, <laughs> a smiley face painted on their bald head. I don't know, but I'm also not entirely sure that it's that even the dad. It was ambiguous as to whether he actually had any memories um of his previous life. Yep. It kind of it, it wasn't exactly clear whether that was necessarily the case. Like the things that he, the things that he, he says, that the that are memories 
or things that could be inferred. So the the example that we see we see is him looking looking through pictures of uh, him and his family, and she says, "Do you remember what we were doing that day?" And he says, "Oh, we were just painting. Uh, we just finished painting because I've got paint in my hair." Yep. So I mean that could again that could just be purely inferred from seeing the the paint in his hair rather than it actually being a a genuine memory. And he also poses a lot of things as questions as well. Ah, uh-huh, sure. You know, instead of him saying, "We used to have so much fun at the farmhouse," uh-huh. we used to have a lot of fun at the farmhouse, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, because he's wanting them to go back to the farmhouse because that's where he was abducted. Sure. So uh-huh. you know, I. I I just think this film is beautiful and weird uh-huh. and awesome. It's it's like a horror film that's been made by the BBC educational department. <laughs> <laughs> In my opinion, I, I think it's, it's like up there it's... with like chalky and stuff like that. I I know what you mean. It's it is like this... it's up there with the Demon Headmaster and uh... this this could have been made for kids. Yeah, absolutely. If it wasn't absolutely. for uh, the fact the gratuitous that sex. The gratuitous <laughs> sex scenes, uh, the I was going to say the dad sucking off the wee boy, but that just <laughs> sounds wrong, doesn't it? That was it was bizarre though. That was absolutely weird seeing the the dad sucking the kids uh, like the shoulder. They, and they, they put, that's because oh, they, uh-huh. they shared DNA. And ah. he needs that to to stop his uh, his facade of humanity from uh, starting is to your, decompose. Is this your theory? Yeah, that's a good theory. I like that. Yep. Sure. Um, and the kids' powers did they only manifest when he? Uh, they seem to only manifest after his dad had uh, had done that. They were, they, they were there, but they weren't anything like as strong. Like, for example, he wasn't able to... Or perhaps he, he just wasn't as strong in his uh, powers. Because he yeah. was able to... He was able to... He had a, clearly had a psychic bond with his dad all the way through it. Um, and he was able to move things with his mind for some of it. But then his powers kind of increased over time. And I wondered whether that was just him becoming stronger in his powers or because his dad had done that uh, process with him. So I wasn't sure which was was Sam ever fully human? Oh, very interesting. Sure. Was he abducted by a strong light, or was he taken back? Mm, you know, does, very interesting. Does the child have this type of psychic bond with his dad? Sure. Because there's there's something that's that's before the film. It's it's a film that's full of questions, but. <laughs> They're, they're not questions that you know. No, that anyone will ever answer or want to answer. Nobody's going to sit and like completely deconstruct this film and make no absolute sense of it. But I, uh-huh. but I, I quite like the fact that you seem to have uh, quite enjoyed it. I did quite enjoy it, and I mean, you said to me, you know, if you like Lucio Fulci, you like this, and I think I, I totally understand why you said that. Is because uh, there are so many jumps, it's, there's so many leaps of faith that you need to make with this film um, and so many times you need to just go, yeah I suppose that would be what would happen if you were <laughs> yeah. I suppose that would be what would happen if you were a zombie ghost <laughs> it's kind of the same kind of thing with Lucio Fulci, you need to kind of put faith in uh, the, the uncertainty, you need to uh, 
go beyond suspending your disbelief, but you also need to keep it in a cage and torture it, um, I think. Yeah, but I did also, uh, just in case you didn't like it, I had a backup plan. Like a kind of, well, fuck you then, because this was produced by Robert Shea. <laughs> oh, really? Well, there we go. What's new line? I saw that, so, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. So, so there we go. <laughs> Very interesting. You with your Elm Street fanboyness, I, I, huh. I thought, well, Robert Shea's involvement, that's, that's, that's surely going to sway you. Sure. I mean, the, the I like the old woman that lived downstairs as well because she was just an old old cow yeah. to the guy. <laughs> she was brilliant because she was just like clearly disapproving of the relationship between the between Rachel and as uh, Joe. Oh, sorry, Rachel and Tony. Tony was a new no, new Tony, boyfriend. Tony's the wee boy. Oh, is it Joe then? Joe, sorry, yep. Ra- Rachel and. Uh, Joe, she's just like a t- total cow to him um, so that was great, I just liked that because it just it reminded me of people um, but there's also an inference that, uh, that Joe might not be you know, such a great guy anyway because when Sam comes back into their life he's a photographer and there's this oh, thing where it looks right. like he's kind of maybe doing some glamour I thought, you'd stop. Like that. I thought you'd stop doing the glamour shots and he says, no, I've changed my mind. Yeah, and, yep. you know, I, I think that was kind of inferring that maybe he sleeps with the glamour models. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah. The, I thought you'd the, stopped bringing attractive young women into your studio and taking <laughs> photographs of them undressed. Fuck off and see your husband. That's that, absolutely. Um so there's also Annalise, who's the, the au pair, um, and she's having an affair with, uh, well, not having an affair, she's in a relationship with a guy called Michael, um, and she keeps bringing him over when she's supposed to be looking after uh, to, uh, looking after Tony, and she says, uh, he says, oh, I'm just going for a lie down, she says, and he goes, yeah, you're always lying down. <laughs> I loved that line. I thought that was a fucking awesome line. You're um, always lying down. <laughs> you know, that was just... You know, yeah, it, and it's I, wrong I, from the mouth of a child. <laughs> yeah, sure is. So, uh, Tony Tony also, uh, as the, the movie progresses, his, his powers become stronger and he's able to... We don't know really for sure if he's conjuring these things or if this is a manifestation of the changes that are happening to him or whatever. Um, But he's got a ringmaster toy that he brings to life. Um, So that's in the form of... It's a small person actor who is uh, dressed like a ringmaster. He looks really creepy and he's jumping on top of a... The, the fridge and they seem to be cooking cooking up the eggs or something like that. I don't know what well, they're, they're doing with the fridge. Them, they're keeping them cold. I keep keeping them cold, right? I see. Putting them in there. He mixes up uh-huh. some sort of concoction and fills the fridge uh-huh, with sure. it. Then takes yeah. the takes the eggs from Annalise's belly and puts uh-huh. them in there. Also, like the the kind of it's. It's not even really inferred that they ever do, but just the fact that they appear to at some point have painted the entire flat white. <laughs> like, every single part of it, they've just painted it white. And it, sure. it looks really, really cool. Because that's right, that's right at the end. That's, like, the last bit. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, for that bit, I wasn't sure if that was... 
I thought it was some kind of change that was happening to Rachel, um, or if she was because she was then she was hearing Tony speaking to her, and she was sorry, aha, uh-huh, Tony. She was she was hearing Tony speaking to her. She seemed to be looking after the eggs as if it was her own, as if she was looking after Tony, and that kind of and because it was his voice, it made me think that there was perhaps something more going on with that as well. Yeah. Um, so that was that was really creepy. That was a pretty awesome sequence as well. I suppose it's a massive yeah. spoiler that at the end of the film, it almost infers that Tony impregnates his mother. Oh uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. It's. Uh, it is. I mean, it's a it's a really weird film, and I mean, we we spoke about Gorgo um, being kind of British, but as you say, it's it, it could have, Gorgo could have been sent set anywhere. This feels British in a lot of respects. It's in the sense that it's got similar tropes to kind of dramas from the eighties and nineties that we that we would recognise. It's got similar tropes and. Uh, common features to the kind of kids programs that were being made at that time um so as i said the, the demon headmaster would be one um what's the one with the stones what's that called uh, standing stones or something or other it's uh there, there was a load of them that were just kind of that, that had that kind of weird sci-fi element to them and the one that you can only whisper akira <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. So I thought this one was great fun, and I, I do recommend it. I think it was it was really good. Um, so yeah, we, again, we should have really organised. We 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 need to just say right, we're going to start a grading system at some point. Yeah, <laughs> because we can say, well, we recommend everything basically. <laughs> we don't give things in any weight. I mean, this is uh, <laughs> we need to to. Do that at some point. No, but I, I think this is one that everybody everybody should check out at some point. Yeah, it's on, it's on YouTube, so it's uh, it's easy to, to to catch, and you you can still get your uh, your fix of of horror and nudity from from this one on YouTube. It's not cut. Yep, it's uh, completely uncut. You just have to be signed in. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was extra. Um, Gil, have you got anything further to add, or are we ready to move on? Well, there, there, as we were talking about the other night, there's continual rumours about uh, extra four happening. Continual. It's absolutely. It's always on. We we never stop hearing about it. Well, it's it's been uh, <laughs> like over the last five years. It's been yep. continually kind of mentioned and. Uh-huh. Interviews with uh, Harry Bromley Davenport. Sure, but you know, I mean, fair enough. Some people go, "Oh, five years, it will never ever happen." But the same thing was happening with the Wicker Tree for years, and sadly, it did get made. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's hope, let's hope it joins uh, Bill and Ted Three in development hell. Bill and Ted Three's in development hell. No, it's not. You're not paying attention to the Facebook group. They've got the script now. Now they're, uh, they're uh-huh. I I love it when you get like people that you know are worth millions and millions going. We're just looking for funding. Yep. Have Have you checked your uh, bank balance lately? Yeah. You know, if you've got that much faith in the project, fucking make it yourself. Exactly. I'm talking uh, to you, Zach Braff. Yeah, I hope it never happens. To be honest. Oh. 
There's the down point in the podcast. What? <laughs> Bill and Ted 3, I hope it never happens. Uh, I don't know, you get two perfect films, why waste it? Why spoil it? Uh, maybe uh, Extra 4 and Bill and Ted 3 could combine forces. <laughs> <laughs> Combined funding. Yep, when it absolutely. turns out at the end of uh, Bill and Ted 3... Both uh-huh. of them have uh, used the phone box to travel back in time as aliens and impregnate their own mothers. Yep. <laughs> okay, on that, uh, on that note, um, we shall take a, a short break and we'll be back to discuss Grabbles. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, I, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or, or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avengers. The New Favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss Grabbles from 2013. Um, it was directed by John Wright. It was written by Kevin Lahan. Um, and it stars uh, Richard Coyle as Kieran O'Shea, Ruth Bradley as Garda Lisa Nolan, Russell Tovey as Smith, Leymore Roddy as, pa- as Paddy, uh, David Pierce as Brian Mayer, Brona Gallagher as Una Mayer, um, Pascal Scott as Golda Mayer. <laughs> uh, sorry. Pascal Scott Pascal as Scott. Jim Gleason. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and others. Ned, so, Ned um, Benahy. Uh, uh-huh. Sure. Lula Murphy, Louise Dempsey, Stuart Graham and, are, and uh, Michael O'Groan. And they're unnamed extras. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, um, who cares? This who is cares? this is one of these films that uh, people are going to be going, oh, it's so good that Gil and Roscoe are going to review Grabbers. Well, let's 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 uh, give people a surprise then, will we? Um, this is VHS, on... isn't it? <laughs> this is it's VHS. Fifty percent the... of horror fans are overhyping it. 50% of horror fans are under-hyping it, and 20% of horror fans can't count properly. <laughs> uh, 82% of all statistics are made up on this spot. I heard it was 87. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the synopsis. On Erin Island, an idyllic... Uh, fishing village off the coast off the coast of Ireland, charming but somewhat work shy Kieran O'Shea is tasked with greeting Lisa Nolan, a straight-laced young officer who has arrived from the mainland. Not that there is much for them to do, aside from dealing with the occasional drunk, 
And that's usually O'Shea himself. But strange doings are afoot. The crew of a fishing boat disappears. Whales start appearing dead on the shore. A local lobsterman catches a strange tentacled creature in his trap. Soon it becomes clear to O'Shea and Nolan that there's something big out there and it's hungry. It's time to rally the villagers, arm the troops and head to the pub. So that's Grabbers. Um, Go. This is set in Ireland on an an Ireland an island called Erin, which is uh, basically just uh, fucking <laughs> hammering home the point because yeah, Erin is actually the, the that's the the name of Ireland, mm-hmm. really. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Erin, Era, Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's yeah, sure. fucking. Yeah, just in case you forget, it's Erin <laughs> Island near Ireland. Sure. Fucking, it's, it's fucking twinned with fucking Alba Island near <laughs> yeah. Scotland. Absolutely. Um, Halpa, not Alba. But saying Alba so that people wouldn't go, Halpa? What? Yeah. So, yep, so famous Irish actor Richard Coyle and famous Irish actor Russell Tovey uh, star in this one. Um, I like Russell uh, Tovey. <laughs> so do I, so do I. Um, so, yeah, it's set in Ireland and Kieran O'Shea is the police officer and we, we see, the first thing we see pretty much is him waking up in a drunken stupor, heading off to work, steaming, driving about, steaming. Um, and various other people being absolutely being drunk and blah 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 um, it's just missing a pig under the arm Ah, uh-huh, it really is in a lot of respects and I think it's interesting that we covered Gorgo this this week in the same week that we covered uh, that we covered Grabbles um, purely because the, the stereotypes uh, used for Irish people and what Irish people are like what Ireland is like Basically, haven't really moved on in, in, in <laughs> 50, 52, years. fifty-two fucking years, and it, yeah, it could be the same, the same fucking Ireland. Uh huh. Absolutely. So, I mean, this one, uh, beyond beyond that, I mean that, I think it's worth pointing that out as much as it's as much as it seems to be, kind of as being, I don't know, politically correct or whatever. But I mean, I looked at two reviews from Irish. Uh, Irish uh, writers, and neither neither of those reviews mentioned any kind of stereotypical, uh, any kind of kind of critique of that as being stereotypical or being ridiculous or whatever. Were they city dwellers? Well, this is that. I mean, from from my perspective, uh, I think this is this is how the outside world sees Ireland and how the outside world sees sees Scotland as well. A lot of the time, there's like these kind of very uh, oh, do you do you have telephones in Scotland? Do you have do you have the internet in Scotland? That type of thing. Uh, it's like well, <laughs> it's for me this 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 doesn't seem to do a lot for Ireland in the sense of it'll maybe help tourism, but it basically makes the country look like a f- fucking backward third world country, and um, when the opposite is com- the opposite is true. Ireland, I mean, for the last however long, had a thriving economy and okay, the the bubble burst, but it was a huge global power for a while, 
um, and yet we're still in a position where we're making films like this that are that show the Irish as being drunks that that make a living by kind of cheating people or whatever it is or um, so yeah that's that's the first thing about this that, that kind of rubbed me up the wrong way I suppose yeah um, and I mean it's no major spoiler for this because the press materials uh, kind of put this across as well the, the, the thing that's interesting about this film and the thing that again f- ties into that stereotype is that the monster and the threat the grabbers that are in the title um they're allergic to alcohol so they or they if, if they consume alcohol they become sick and they can die as a result of that so the the solution that the town sees is for everybody to hold up in the pub and get absolutely steaming yeah i, absolutely I don't even drunk. think we should worry about spoiling this film to be honest yeah sure. I, I actually think it would probably better if less people did watch it you know i've just i mean the production values are good in terms of the 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 short compositions and the 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 cgi is quite nice the the cgi is good the cgi is good um like the even the small scale cgi is very good like the little uh, tentacle baby creatures going around the pub that's all great stuff um but the script for me is sadly lacking a lot all the way through this it doesn't seem to go anywhere a lot of the time Um, Russell Tovey's character is probably the best thing in it in my opinion, I really liked him he's Um, he's he's the only one that's fully developed yeah, sure. I mean, and and his death is uh, is quite meaningful as well, isn't it? Yeah, his his death is quite <laughs> funny. It is quite funny, but it's like, well, <laughs> it's not exactly the best way to to write off a character who've developed like that. Yeah, where you just like swat him into the middle distance and then never mention him again. Yep, but is that the best? <laughs> I I I just think the. It makes him one of the luckiest characters because he got offset really quickly. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, I, as somebody who managed a bar and uh-huh. stuff like that, and has uh, therefore, I, I've uh, I have uh, served to, worked with, and uh, some people would probably say been an alcoholic <laughs> at certain points in my life. <laughs> I just found this film to just be a massive pile of shite. <laughs> you uh, know, I thought it was is... a nice concept, but yep. the all of the portrayal of uh, alcohol... Alcoholism, yep. It was all wrong. You know, it yep. was... It was... It wasn't... It wasn't glamorising it, mm-hmm. but also it wasn't demonizing it it was just like it wasn't even caring it wasn't showing it wasn't showing consequence uh, it sure. was it was just a very very poor plot device and uh oh what's his name that plays the main character Richard Coyle Richard Coyle Rich- uh-huh. he's uh he's somebody that I've generally thought oh, I quite like the stuff that he's in like he was in coupling Sure. You know, uh, written by Stephen Moffat. Stephen Moffat is currently residing in the Where Are They Now files. No! <laughs> Shall we never mention him again? But we'll probably never have to. I don't think he's up to much. <laughs> I, 
Coyle also... We shall never mention him again. But uh, Richard Coyle also was like the, the lead in a series called Strange. It's worth checking out. It was pretty good. It was on the BBC and it was kind of prime time. And sure. In this, I just felt that his character kind of went nowhere because it shows you him at the start and they're like, oh, look at this fucking drunk idiot. He's driving about drunk. He's policing drunk. And the, the inference for that isn't the alcoholism is bad it's that they're on this island that's so small that mm-hmm. even a fucking alcoholic could reasonably police it yep yep but i mean his alcoholism doesn't really come back up after that it's kind of mentioned once and then like that's that yeah they have a lock-in at the pub where he's it's him <laughs> that comes up with the idea that everybody needs to get drunk because yep. these mm-hmm. things don't like alcohol Sure. But at no point does it have, because he also says, well, I will be the sober one. Which, mm-hmm. you know, if the person that wrote this script understood anything about alcohol and alcoholism, mm-hmm. this would have been a big point. You know, mm-hmm. and they would have had to bring in a bit where he is facing a demon. Sure. And he's not ever at any point facing a demon. He's like fucking pouring pachin down people's throats and going, no, you have to be shit-faced, I'm fine. At no point when he's holding any alcohol or near the alcohol does he even appear to be that fuss. So then you're kind of thinking, he's not an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, his entire character just falls apart based on the fact that at no point does he even seem... Like, he's that fussed that he's not having sure. a drink. Yep. And that just kind of, that ruins it. Cause it does pull you out of it. Um, it fucks the I mean, counterpoint. Ma- yeah, I mean, my initial thing of this was that it looked fantastic in terms of how it, how it came across. But then the more you get into it, the more you're just like, it kind of leaves you a wee bit cold. Just the... It, it, nothing really seems to be carried forward. Um, the characters don't really seem to... I mean, they've got an arc. There's a, a relationship arc uh, there between uh, between uh, Kieran O'Shea and, and uh, Garda Nolan. Yep. Um, but, Who's uh, not just teetotal. She's just uh-huh. never, ever drank. Sure. Which, that, you've got, like... The alcoholic and the person who uh-huh. has never drank any alcohol and has no interest <laughs> in alcohol. And who are you going to make be the sober person? Who do you think is going to be the most obvious person to be? <laughs> but it also, but the the thing is, like, see, in that particular scene, mm-hmm. what you're then left with is a point where the alcoholic, who mm-hmm. uh, you're supposed to believe that he's maybe got a bit of a crush on her. But yep. that's that's all kind of taken away due to the fact that she's only been on the island for 24 hours. Sure. So see sure. if her character had been somebody that had worked with him for years for and years sure. and always kind of frowned on his alcoholism, but, but there was like a fondness between the two of them where the only reason he was still on a job was that she was continually at that kind of point of being too reticent to actually kind of grasp him in. 
Sure. I mean, there, there are plenty of ways that you could have done that. Yeah. It would have a lot better. So he persuades her that she has to drink lots and lots of alcohol as a way of him basically potentially sacrificing himself for her because his fondness for her means that he wants her to live. So, sure. You know that that would have been nice, and it's nowhere. Uh-huh. It's nowhere in this fucking film. Well, they did try to they did try to establish that, but it just it wasn't really. I don't feel they really they, they really did that to the extent that they could have done. Nope. I mean, they did, they did try to make that point that that was what he was doing, and that was the reason why he was doing that. Um, but then they also kind of muddied the waters by saying that well, she's a. A perfect specimen. She's fat and healthy. She should be the one who, um, she should be the one who we test to see how much alcohol, um, can be can be used. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that they they did try to try to introduce that idea that he was trying to be chival- uh, He was trying to uh, exercise chivalry. Um, but, but it just it fails when you've got two characters that, due to a lack of backstory between them are then uh-huh. underdeveloped. What they should sure. have done is instead of having mm-hmm. it be her that's arriving at the island, it's mm-hmm. uh, Smith that's arriving at sure. the island, and he's yep. arriving at the yep. island to check out the pilot wheels, as opposed to seemingly being that Smith lives on the island and the pilot wheels at the start just happen to have run aground, and he's like, oh, check this, it's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. the a serious script revision and mm-hmm. and maybe uh if they'd they'd gone what this what this needs is a darker element sure. would have made a much better film and also yeah, sure. uh if they'd like the the flaw with the theatrical release of the wicker man uh-huh. is the everything just happens on one night and then you uh-huh. get the the cup where they've reintroduced the fact that he's there for two nights. That's what yep. this also needed as well. Sure. Because they just kind of go, oh well, it's raining, so these creatures will be able to go anywhere they want. Sure, but I mean, the, you, by raising the Wicker Man, um, it's, it's a kind of interesting point. It's an interesting comparison because it similarly um, kind of plays into. Ideas about Scottish rurality, I suppose. Yep. Um, but the difference with that is that the there's at least an acknowledgement in the modern world. Lord Summer Isle is not distinct from the modern world; he's a part of it. Yep. Um, so it's not as if that this is some backward faith, and the people on the island aren't backward. The people on the island are modern people who practice an ancient religion. Um, whereas this seems to kind of this seems to harken back to kind of whiskey galore, or I realise mm. it's, it's Ireland rather than Scotland, but it's it's closer to that kind of thing, or Brigadoon, or whatever, than it is to something like the Wicker Man, where there at least is some acknowledgement that that Scotland and Ireland aren't fucking third world countries. Yeah, and it would have been a much better film if the realisation that the the rain would enable the creatures to come out of the sea instead of it being something that somebody just comes up with and turns out to be true had been something that nobody had thought of but then becomes apparent on the first night because it's raining yeah and Uh you know like you have maybe two other people die 
mm-hmm. and then they go, oh, well, it's at least it's not raining now, and then thunderclouds come over again, and they're like, oh, well, what we're going to do now, we're all going to congregate in the pub. And sure. there's so many ways this film could have been improved, but uh, yep. I, I think the the fact that these these creatures are so small that they're not actually all that threatening. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes you think, well, instead of hiding in the pub and all getting drunk for fear of something that's two foot long killing you, mm-hmm. isn't the fact that you're just in a in a pub Building? already a defence? Uh-huh. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Just... You don't have to go into the pub and get shit-faced. Sure. You or how about this? You get on a boat and you yep. sail off. Sure. They're not after you. They just live there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not going to chase you. <laughs> you know, fucking... This, this is not a film. This is a plot hole that's just... <laughs> it's a... You love your plot holes. It's a plot hole that's popular. That's... Yeah, I, I just I can't recommend this film to anyone unless they want to watch a film that is just shit. I don't I don't think it's just shit. I well, think you know what I mean. I don't mean it's just shit. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's a pretty good film, um, but there's a lot of things in it that make me angry, and a lot of things in it that that um, that are underdeveloped that need a bit of work. Um, it's it's okay. It's it's just um, again, it's the it's the hype machine. I suppose you you kind of go into things expecting them to be absolutely amazing, but it was it's it's okay. It's a it's a decent enough B B movie. Um, it's given a a modern going over, I suppose, and it looks it looks the part. The CGI is first class. CGI is great. Um, there's elements of the story that are great. Uh, Russell Tovey's great in it. So I mean, there's there's a lot of elements in it, and I certainly wouldn't say it was just shit. Um, but there's a lot of things that that need a bit of work. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of interesting that the the theme this week was going to be like films that are based around the the UK and Ireland. And sure. I, I think that what we've ended up with is uh, Gorgo is a film which is a, a masterclass in how to avoid continuity. <laughs> and really? Grabbers uh-huh. is a a film that avoids... It's like a masterclass in how to avoid a plot that genuinely makes any sense. And Extro is a film which kind of manages to probably do both of those things but in a way where you go I don't care, this is a fucking awesome film <laughs> it is it is a strange, strange movie and it's, it's one where you're just going to be coming away from it going, what? Yep. <laughs> scratching your head and um, recoiling in horror um, the creature effects were pretty great on it as well though, extra yeah, I have to say uh, it. I re- it's, it's awesome uh huh, yep one day I'm just going to do that. I'm gonna shave my head and just put a wee uh, scary face on my, my napper. <laughs> and walk backwards and uh, I'm be extra for Halloween. I'm glad you said napper because 
that first syllable there, I was thinking, where's this going? <laughs> okay, that's enough. So, Gil, um, shall we have a short break and then close out the show? Yes, we shall. We shall. Okay, I, I, and we'll be back. Uh huh. That's that's the way it usually works. Cool. We'll be back after this. Take a journey with the Phantom Eric as he explores the last 100 years of horror. 100 films to be explored, each one with the related themes, actors, and directors that made the last century of horror cinema so great. Travel the world from Germany to Scandinavia, Italy to France, North America and everywhere in between, with no stone left unturned. The zombies are locked up, the vampires are asleep, and the prowlers have slain their last group of campers for the night. So take the hand of the Phantom American Lester Reaper, as this is one time travel experience you won't want to miss. Okay, and we're back, guys. Gil, how did you enjoy the show this week? Oh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, yeah enjoyed watching all of the films that we watched for different reasons. That is the thing is that as much as we've kind of criticised extra uh, criticised grabbers a wee bit, all three of these films are really good fun um, to watch, and there was never one that I thought was a chore, which is which is quite a rarity because it does really it does tend. To well, there does tend to be usually one film that, that really is a chore to watch, if not two. <laughs> but this this week, everyone's been pretty great fun, I think. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, an enjoyable couple of films to watch. What are you saying really for? Yeah. Because I'm a moaning bastard, is that? <laughs> what was it? You, when we were talking earlier on, you, you, uh, you said uh, to me that you'd recently had a conversation where you were oversensitive and I was like when's that ever happened <laughs> absolutely you know if absolutely. only the people could hear the outtakes <laughs> no 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 we don't want that no you don't have to worry I needed space on the hard drive they've all been deleted that's very nice thank you very much that's cool that's cool um, so yeah all, all three of these were quite good fun and I mean I'd, I'd I do think that there's there's a lot to be said for each of them as much as as much as Grabbles isn't quite the uh, it's not quite the masterpiece some people have been putting it across as and it's it's like on on Rotten Tomatoes it's got mostly positive reviews um, but uh, for for me it's for me it just didn't do it it was it's it's good it's good it does its thing but yeah what are you gonna do yeah. I suppose there's a danger that we're currently sounding like somebody that lives in the deep south trying to review Tucker and Dale. I suppose, yeah, absolutely. And I su- well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Whereas that actually does play up to the, the stereotypes and it does it in a humorous way where the stereotypes are actually used to reinforce the plot as opposed <laughs> to actually detract from the sensibilities of the plot. Yeah, absolutely. That that absolutely. might be the problem. <laughs> the two. Uh, just remember that Gorgos get two Dickensian professors, <laughs> and it. The, the, so yeah, it's, uh, they, they specialise in Dickens. We're from the University of Dublin. 
<laughs> and we specialize in Dickens. Would just, you like just, to come here and visit just, the two of us for a Dickens? It just tickled me just seeing the picture of them there. I was thinking, oh, God, <laughs> that was ridiculous. What, you, you're actually looking at a picture of them? Yeah, yeah. So this is what you get up to in your spare time. <laughs> yeah. What were what were oh, those supporting yeah. characters like? Oh, 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 oh. Yep. So yeah, we started a Facebook group for the League of Extraordinary Podcasts that you can join. It's a closed group, but if you search for it on Facebook, we'll add you. Um, it's the it's we're going to try and increase it and increase the activity there and. It's the best place to kind of get up to speed on what's happening in the network, who's posting episodes and taking it from there. You can also subscribe on iTunes to the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. There's a David Anders Jr. from the other podcast has set up a feed where basically every episode from every podcast that's on the network gets streamed into a single feed um, that, that goes through iTunes so it's a, a simple way that you can listen to every show that's on the network um, if you're so inclined otherwise you can just do a search for any show that you're particularly interested in um, the shows that are on the network are, um, I can name some of them, I don't know if the, the I think there's the Midnight Horror Show is one of them Yep, um, Cinema Beef that's one that I don't know, Cinema Beef we know well it's Gary Hill um, we've got uh, Duncan's show, Duncan McLeish, who's guested in this show as well, and that's called The Podcast Under the Stairs. Uh, there's also Develop Podcast, who listeners to this show know well. Um, liking it. Liking it, of course, with, with Jamie Jenkins. Which I believe we may be on in the future. Oh, really? I, wow. I, I think so. I've, sure. I've been doing some... Uh, experiments recently in time travel and stuff and I, I seem to remember from one of my my trips in time and space that that, uh-huh. that we were appearing on one of their episodes you need to keep us up to date with how your how your experiments are going I, was, I think they're going quite well think of a day uh, right okay was it Tuesday oh it was See? well done they're, they're, awesome. they're going all right. You see, I'd actually, when I originally asked you that, you, I said Wednesday, and obviously uh-huh. I was wrong, so I just came, uh-huh. came back and corrected it. <laughs> See you next Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okie doke. So, guys, uh, thank you again for listening. Um, you can find us on Twitter, if you're so inclined. Um, my name on Twitter, or my handle, goodbuddy, is at Bodacious Horror. You can also find my dear friend Gil Rokotansky, at Gil Rokotansky. Breaker Breaker 10-4. <laughs> that's a... That's a... What is it? That's... That's a, that's a 20, good buddy, or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a 20. No. That's what they say. 10-4. 10-4, that's the one. Yeah, I just said 10-4. <laughs> oh, no, I just get, I get lost. Breaker, I get breaker. Lost. Uh, yep. pig, pig pen taken up the back. Sure. Um, and you can also subscribe on iTunes, the best place to find everything related and pertaining to the Bodacious Horror Podcast is at www.bodacioushorror.co.uk. 
providing Gil remembers to log in once a month. Yes. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, our host goes, you don't come round as often as you used to. We're going to switch your website off. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. You can, um, you can check out all the like uh, Stitcher, mm-hmm. all the Twitter links, the Facebook links, my Amazon wish list. Oh. Your Amazon wish list isn't one there. No. I bet I'll not be. Not, not yet. <laughs> It's no Christmas yet. When is your birthday again? <laughs> the twenty fourth of January, which is the the uh, which I share with the the actress who played Garda Nolan in the Grabbers film that we just watched. Oh, there we go. Do you know? Do you know who also shares a birthday with each other? Who? Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. Yes. They, they be, yes, That's they both awesome. share the same birthday. How awesome is that? Sometime in August. <laughs> I share my birthday with the comedian Vic Reeves and, oh. and the the dead man, John Belushi. Very cool, very cool. On that note, um, thank you once again for listening. Um, you can... Oh, I've done all that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, I just... <laughs> Get out of my house! What are you doing in my garden? <laughs> On that note, guys, thank you very much indeed for listening, and we'll see you all again next week. Or last week, depending on how Us. well my experiments go. <laughs> or about four weeks ago, who knows? Right, we'll be back after next week. <laughs> <laughs> Shower.